Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. This is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks I can discuss the romantic relationship between a person with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, and BPD, borderline personality disorder. So in clinical practice, we tend to see this manifest as a man with NPD and a woman with BPD. And in a number of the questions I received on this topic, the question was really referring to this particular relationship structure. So that's the example I'll be using in this video, right? So we see a man with NPD and a woman with BPD, but of course, it's not always this way in clinical practice. This is just what we see much of the time. So to answer this question, I'm going to list the nine characteristics of an NPD-BPD couple. So it's not extremely common to see a couple where the man has NPD without significant comorbidity, like another cluster B personality disorder, or where there is a woman with BPD, and again, without significant comorbidity, meaning that the man's primary diagnosis is NPD and the woman's primary diagnosis as BPD. What's more common is to see narcissistic and borderline traits. So a couple where a man has narcissistic traits and a woman has borderline traits, but not necessarily the official mental disorder as listed in the DSM. Now, this is important to keep in mind, but just to keep things simple, I'm going to use the terms mostly of NPD and BPD even though some of the time I'm really talking about narcissistic traits versus borderline traits. Again, not necessarily rising to the level of pathology. So with narcissistic personality disorder, with NPD, we see a number of symptoms and characteristics. We see a grandiose sense of self-importance, having fantasies of success and power, a sense of entitlement, requiring a lot of admiration, believing oneself to be special, being jealous, arrogant, self-centered, manipulative, having a lack of empathy, being resistant to criticism, and this will play an important part when I get to the nine characteristics, being extroverted, disagreeable, and having low neuroticism, which is also an important part. So NPD is similar to the construct of grandiose narcissism. Moving over to borderline personality disorder, BPD, we see frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, we see a love-hate cycle. This is the idealization devaluation cycle. So specifically in a romantic relationship, or at least typically in a romantic relationship, we see that the individual BPD idealizes the romantic partner, goes through a phase where they really express a lot of love and affection, and then they move to a phase where they devalue, right? So we get the love-hate cycle. We also see impulsivity, self-harm, anger, Affective instability, so having difficulty regulating emotions, problems with self-image, a feeling of emptiness, dissociation or paranoia, and we see associated characteristics like personality traits like high neuroticism. So BPD is somewhat similar to vulnerable narcissism, which leads me to this list of characteristics. So in talking about the BPD and PD couple, I've noticed a few interesting characteristics over my years in clinical experience. And we see some of these, of course, in the research literature as well. So starting with number one, the first characteristic, many clinicians tend to think of these couples, 
as simply a pairing of someone with grandiose narcissism and somebody with vulnerable narcissism, which of course is easily understood. NPD is like grandiose narcissism and BPD has some overlap with vulnerable narcissism. But vulnerable narcissism is not the same thing as BPD. Again, they're similar in a few ways, but really they're actually quite different constructs. Vulnerable narcissism doesn't have as much anger and it doesn't typically have the love-hate cycle, the impulsivity, the frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, the dissociation, the paranoia, and it doesn't necessarily have a marked lack of insight. BPD doesn't necessarily have hypersensitivity to criticism, antagonism, self-centeredness, and a need for admiration that we see in vulnerable narcissism. So there is, of course, as I mentioned, overlap between them. Most notably, we see resentfulness, shame, and distrust. So the reason that this first characteristic is a problem, this misunderstanding of counselors, is because they miss the BPD and then there's no treatment for the BPD. So borderline personality disorder is a serious mental disorder that does necessitate treatment. So if it's overlooked and simply dismissed as vulnerable narcissism, then important care is not being delivered. So moving to the second item on this list, when we talk about the love-hate cycle, in these relationships, sometimes the devaluation component, that phase, is actually shortened by quite a bit. This is because of the reaction of the partner with NPD. When they are devalued, they tend to avoid, like in approach avoidance, right? All relationships have an approach avoidance balance. So as the person with BPD moves away, they're not really feeding more emotions into the situation. They're not engaging in the argument. So if the couple is dating, they won't go out. If they're married, they will go out. The person with NPD will go out and leave the person with BPD at home. So we see that they create distance. And this is a powerful technique for getting somebody to like you again. This is a powerful technique for getting the approach phase, a positive approach phase, to start again. The devaluation cycle itself isn't avoidance. It's negative approach. It requires a reaction to reach its strongest possible expression. And again, the person with NPD doesn't engage. Number three, we see the person with NPD is typically no worse off from an emotional point of view when their partner has BPD. So what I'm really saying here is if a person with NPD has a rantic partner, whether that person has BPD or not doesn't seem to make as big a difference for the emotional health of the person with NPD. So this really runs against a popular idea we see in mental health. The idea we see is that the more pathology that's added into a couple that's together, a romantic couple, the worse off things get. This is not necessarily true because pathology comes with pros and cons. Although, of course, we usually think of pathology as primarily negative. Potentially positive features of NPD for this type of relationship would be that low neuroticism and that resistance to criticism I talked about before. When the idealization phase is active, the narcissist feeds on all that admiration. They're the center of attention, and that's very satisfying for a grandiose narcissist. When the devaluation phase is active, I talked about this before, the narcissist checks out. So it's not necessarily the same thing as saying these relationships are emotionally healthy for somebody with NPD. They're just not as destructive as somebody would expect just looking at that emotional component on the NPD side. Now, there's a physical 
risk component, and there's some other risk that I'm not talking about here. Again, just looking at the emotional side. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Moving to number four. Infidelity is extremely common in these relationships, and this is because you have high risks on both sides. Somebody with NPD would be at a substantial risk in any type of relationship. That's a characteristic of narcissistic personality disorder. And with BPD, we see an elevated risk. So with all this risk put together in the same couple, the risk of infidelity is higher than we would expect in a couple where there was no pathology. Now, infidelity is extremely destructive for relationships, and you have a relationship here that's already starting with a lot of trust issues, so affairs only really aggravate this. Moving to number five, the fifth characteristic of the NPD-BPD couple, we see that typically in these types of relationships, there's a lot of sex. On the NPD side, this is a key feature of this personality disorder, to focus on this, to manipulate somebody to get sex. On the BPD side, it's used to try to strengthen the relationship for the person with BPD to feel loved and connected. Sometimes counselors believe that all the sexual activity means that the relationship is strong and healthy, but often it is not either. There are a lot of important components to relationships, emotional components, and also just logistical components that are separate from this. So we can't just look at one area and say, because there's a lot of this activity, that means the relationship is strong. Moving to number six, the anger in these relationships is usually one-sided. Now, grandiose narcissism does have reactive anger. Somebody with NPD will often react in an angry way when their ego is threatened. So they have a fragile sense of self, and if somebody criticizes them, they tend to react. Now, grandiose narcissism at the same time is characterized by resistance to criticism. So this seems like the two don't go along, but what happens is with grandiose narcissism, much of the time somebody moves into a vulnerable narcissistic phase temporarily. So people tend to fluctuate. They go back and forth, although primarily they tend to be 
in one category or the other. So this really explains how somebody with grandiose narcissism can still have anger reactions. But of course, if they only have grandiose narcissistic traits, they would typically not be very angry at all and typically not react when criticized. Now, when we look over at the BPD side, BPD is much more strongly associated with anger. So this is where we get a lot of the anger in these relationships. Typically, the person with NPD is not angry, or if they are, it's not too often. And the person with BPD has a continuous anger. So we see a lot of anger and arguments in these relationships, but again, they tend to be one-sided, more on the side of the person with BPD being aggressive and not as much on the side of the person with NPD being aggressive. Number seven, personality disorders are characterized by a lack of insight. This is all personality disorders, including NPD and BPD. So with the NPD-BPD couple, we see this lack of insight on both sides of the relationship. So sometimes when working with NPD-BPD couples, what you hear a lot is parallel communication, right? Somebody saying, something that's disconnected from the other person. They're not really talking to each other. They're talking in parallel with very little insight and depth. They're seemingly disconnected, but at the same time living together. They understand that each other exists. They understand the other person actually is there, but they're in their own worlds. The narcissist is self-absorbed, concerned with obtaining admiration and fantasizing about success, while the person with BPD is coping with emotional dysregulation feelings of emptiness, and paranoia. So it sets up a challenging scenario from the counselor's point of view. One theme I've noticed in these relationships is that each person wants the other person to make changes without making changes of their own, because a lot of the time they don't even recognize that they need to make changes or that they're contributing something negative to the relationship. And again, this all comes back to that lack of insight. It's an important feature to recognize when trying to treat personality disorders, and it creates an important dynamic when trying to treat a couple who both have personality disorders. Number eight, this one is fairly straightforward. We see that comorbid substance use is a huge problem in these relationships. So is comorbid depression, anxiety, and cluster B personality pathology. So for example, somebody with NPD who also has antisocial personality disorder, or somebody with BPD who also has histrionic personality disorder. Now, specifically on the BPD side, we also see high comorbidity with post-traumatic stress disorder. We know that about 80% of individuals with BPD have a history of trauma. Now, the last item here, number nine in the list, we see similar circumstances around why the couple connected in the first place. So I get this question a lot. Why does somebody with NPD and somebody with BPD get together? Why do they form this relationship to start with. Well, a person with NPD is attracted to someone who shows them intense affection, who appreciates that they are special, who believes that they are great, and they're looking for somebody who's physically attractive. Now, this isn't necessarily a characteristic of BPD, of course, but this is just something that somebody with NPD is looking for. And this is of particular importance to someone who's narcissistic because they like the idea of being with a high-status individual, and that's how they interpret physical attractiveness. Now, looking at the BPD side, the individual with borderline traits is attracted to the superficial charm of the narcissist, the confidence, and that low neuroticism. It makes someone appear really quite stable and dependable, right? Because with low neuroticism, somebody isn't highly reactive 
to stimuli. They don't have a strong reaction emotionally to things that happen in the environment. So those are the nine characteristics of the NPD-BPD couple. There are definitely treatment challenges from a mental health treatment point of view, from the clinician's point of view, but there is hope. It takes a lot of work by everybody involved, but I have seen people in these circumstances, these couples, actually go on to have a good deal of success. It's not necessarily what a lot of counselors would expect, but again, it can happen. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. It is from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.